0: everybody. The following is a Republic Keepers educational discussion with Chaplain Raymond, our Attorney General for the Republic State of Texas. We've been discussing a book called The Authority of Law by Charles A. Wiseman. And today we finished up this course with the end of Chapter 7 and the final of Chapter 8, Conclusions and Comments. Hope you enjoy. Okay, today is the March 15th. 2011 continuing the course on the authority of law we've been dealing with non-constitutional law or activity and unconstitutional laws we're at a, we're at the point in the uh, chapter called creating an issue for trial this is an extremely important issue because it has to do with moment-to-moment events in a dialogue with authorities. The issue of a trial or hearing exists when the plaintiff and defendant arrive at some specific point or matter in which one affirms and the other denies. Hmm. In a criminal matter, this issue is that a law has or has not been violated. But if there is no valid law, or the accused is not subject to the law in question, no issue can legally exist as the basis for the point of contention does not legally exist. The current corrupt legal system has actually sown its own c- seed corruption by arbitrarily forming codes and statute provisions. All complaints or indictments today cite laws from these codes and revise statute books, which contain no enacting clauses. Any law which fails to have an enacting clause is not a law of the legislative body to which we are constitutionally subject. The laws from the U.S. Code or revised statutes of the state are from another legal entity, that being some commission or committee. Since there are no valid laws on the complaint or indictment, there legally is no issue before the court. But the court system creates an issue by asking the accused how he charges. The plea causes an issue to exist because it creates a controversy. The controversy relates to what is on the complaint or indictment because the plea acknowledges that it is a genuine document. The very act of pleading to it an indictment admits in its genuineness has a record. If there is a law on the complaint which is unconstitutional, don't know, or is from another state or other legal entity, the violation of that law can become a triable issue by way of the plea. Thus, when one plea leads to a false valid charge on the complaint, he establishes an issue which would have not otherwise existed. The plea forms the issue to be tried, without which there is nothing before the court or jury for trial. It is essential to a valid trial that in some way there should be an issue between the state and the accused. And without a plea, there could be no issue. If you make a plea of not guilty to the charge of violating GMR 142.65, subdivision C of General Motors, or the law of the French Parliament, you have admitted or acknowledged that the law used in the complaint is genuine. It has now been established that there exists an issue which can be tried. When one is charged for violating a zoning ordinance, driving without a license, or failure to file an income tax return, and a plea of not guilty is made, one has made in effect, one has in effect acquiesced to the validity of these laws. The only way one can prevail is by showing that they did not commit them or by showing they are unconstitutional. But since these are non-constitutional laws of some committee or commission, such constitutional arguments will not work. The only thing that can stop this procedure is showing a lack of subject matter jurisdiction, which can be shown because the laws used have no enacting clauses and are thus void. It now is an issue of authority for that law to exist as a law of the state or Congress. When you are charged with a violation of some code of some committee, the court proceedings are in equity since your conflict is not with a constitutional source of law or with a common law crime. The legal system today does not recognize or proceed upon common law crimes, and thus the only things that are crimes are made so by statute, or rather code. A crime exists when a law exists which prohibits or commands an action. If there is no law, there can be no crime, and if there is no crime, there can be no subject matter jurisdiction of the court to hear a matter. A non-constitutional law has the same effect upon a complaint or indictment as does an unconstitutional law or a non-existent law. It renders the charging instrument void. A non constitutional law is not a law to which we are subject. So doing what it prohibits cannot constitute a crime. Thus if General Motors passes a law requiring all persons to show up for work by six AM or they will lose their jobs, it is a non constitutional law. Unless one is an employee of General Motors is Is not subject law, and so cannot be charged for violating it. Because it is a non-constitutional law, it has no force and effect as a law over you and the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction to try the matter. Only a constitutionally established government or that which exists by the common law sheriffs constables coroners mayors etc can do something that is unconstitutional only the state legislature is limited by the provisions of the state constitution regarding laws enacted thus only the state legislature can enact an unconstitutional law or statute General Motors Incorporated or the Parliament of France can pass all sorts of regulations and laws, but none of them can ever be declared unconstitutional. But they are not valid laws which we are subject to, for which we have no legal relationship to these entities. Likewise, we have no legal relationship to the commissions, which drafted the modern-day codes or revised statutes? Conclusions and comments. Okay, Comprehend, about- oh, Excuse sorry, me. I misunderstood. I thought you were asking for conclusions. No. Sorry. The comprehensive codes and revised statutes that exist today. Are but a clandestine means to subject citizens to some legal entity other than the state legislature or Congress. They also serve as a clandestine means to bring laws into existence that are not limited to the confines of a constitution or the common law. While these codes were intended to solve the problem of massive amounts of law, have created even bigger law problems there is no way anyone can say that it was the intent of the framers of the constitution and the people who adopted it to have all titles and enacting clauses stripped away from all the laws when they were published such a measure totally defeats the purpose for which these forms of law were intended and thus required in the state constitutions. In Washington, it was held that the comp- compilation t- revised code of Washington is not the law. It has been repeatedly said that the comprehensive codes were done for the sake of convenience. It has also been said that it would not be practicable to have the enacting clause or title precede every law within a revision or comprehensive code. But note that nothing is ever raised or said about the constitutionality of such a measure. If those in government are free to do things based solely upon what they deem to be more practicable or convenient, then we truly live under an arbitrary and despotic government. The necessities of a particular case will not justify a departure from the organic law. It is by such insidious process and gradual encroachment that constitutional limitations and government by the people are weakened and eventually destroyed. It has been well said. One step taken by the legislature or judiciary in enlarging the powers of government opens the door for another, which will be sure to follow, and so the process goes on until all respect for the fundamental law is lost, and the powers of government are just what those in authority please to make or call them. That's Oakley v. Aspinwall. New York, 547, and 568. Constitutions were written to prescribe certain ways of doing things, which means there will no doubt be other means of doing the same thing which are easier and more convenient. Governments naturally tend to do that which is easier, more convenient, and practical for their own sake. Whatever they do, whenever they do so, they always transcend constitutional limitations and trespass on individual rights. And all of history attests that this is the result of arbitrary action. The enacting clause acts as a sign or seal of constitutional authority of law. A king may have a seal which indicates his authority. All things that bear the seal of the king are recognized as existing by his authority. If a king's agent presents a document claiming it a king, but is not his seal, many may believe it is by the authority of the king, though it is not. This is what the government has done with the codes and revised statutes it is presented to the public a collection of statute books claiming they are from the state legislature or Congress. But the laws of them do not have the seal of authority upon them. They do not have the official enacting clause upon them to indicate they are laws from an authorized source. Thus, they are laws which no one needs to respect obey. And with that we would conclude the authority of law course and Chuck, stop the recording.